Welcome to BNB with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond, the podcast where we dive into the incredible world of self healing and mind body connection using biohacking and lessons from Germanic New Medicine. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of BNB with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond. And I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. He is the author of the scintillating, game changing, paradigm shifting book. Terminal cancer is a misdiagnosis, and his name is Danny Carroll. Hi, Danny. Good morning. Good afternoon, Ellie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for giving us the time to address the Filipino GHK community. And of course, it's a no-brainer that we will get to talk more about your amazing book and the background stories. But what I'd really like to start with, as I have with other guests, is your personal backstory. What do you think were the breadcrumbs you followed since childhood that led you to where you are today and all the juicy in-between stories? Okay, so I spent the first 25 years of my life living in London. My dad's Irish, my mum's English, but I grew up in London, which is why I have the Irish spelling for my name. I'd been in India for 28 years. I came to India on a six-month posting, and uh, and I've been here ever since. My my cousin carried out our family tree and discovered that for the last 300 years, one of my family has moved from the UK. Every third generation has moved from the UK to live in India, and I'm the third generation again. So, um, <laughs> so there's an element of karma involved, I believe. On reflection, I mean, we know how hostile the West is to to Dr. Hummer and his medical discoveries. So with the benefit of hindsight, I never could have done what I've done in terms of nearly two decades of medical research um, if I was not living in India. So my guess is that uh, that there's a reason I'm here. So things sort of, the pieces of the puzzle sort of start to fall into place. But my journey of um, of studying health and wellness and looking for the holy grail of health and wellness didn't start until I was in my early to mid thirties. Up until that point, I was just a average dude, you know, following life and doing things that everybody else does. But uh, in 2004, 2005, I had a I had a friend in Bombay who was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, she couldn't afford cancer treatment. So I basically I ran a marathon to fund her treatment, and um, and she was delighted at the time. So I funded her treatment, but. Uh, and then, unfortunately, ensured her compliance to the treatment as well. So she used to message. When she went into hospital, Ellie, she, I mean, they said she had cancer, right? But she looked fit and fine to me, at least from the outside. When she went into hospital and started taking chemotherapy, she used to message me from hospital saying, I don't know what these doctors are doing, but uh, it feels like they're putting poison in my veins. And of course they were, right? So chemotherapy is, is basically mustard gas and she had three rounds of chemo and she died really? and at, at the time I was I was devastated I both funded her treatment and ensured her compliance to the treatment so I felt uh, I felt a great deal of responsibility for for her passing she was only she's only in her early 60s so at the time I uh, I swore that I would search the ends of the earth to find a, a better solution to cancer um, and essentially that's what I've spent the last two decades doing 
Yeah, thank you, Dr. Da yeah. Oh, gosh, here I go again. Call you Dr. <laughs> Danny. Oh, okay. <laughs> you might as well be right with the kind of work that you do. I went through the same thing. I also participated in one of those marathon runs to <clears throat> fundraise for a relative who was suffering from leukemia at that time. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to ask was, what cancer did your friend have? Honestly, Ellie, I, I don't remember. I mean, it was metastasized something, multiple location. Um, I really don't remember what type of cancer she had. Gotcha. And is this mm. the time that you found GNM GHK or how did that come oh, about? No, no, no. It took it took me, I don't know, seven seven or eight years of searching. When I when I started on my journey, I studied everything that had a promise of a solution. So I mean I, I spent I think the best parts of ten years studying nutritional healing. I studied the bark flower remedies, which is an emotional healing. Uh, system from the UK. I studied energy healing. I studied spiritual healing. And I got up to, oh, if you go online, you'll find I, I did a TED presentation on nutritional healing, I think in 2010. But I got I got all the way up to 2012. Um, and by that point, frankly, I wasn't convinced that I'd found the answer to anything. So I continued my search. But my my direction changed dramatically in 2012 when I had a I, I had a cathartic healing experience. What happened in 2012 for, for about a six-month period, I had um, I had golf ball-sized knots in my muscles and I could barely walk. And I was I was in I was in physio and the physio, what the physio does when you have knots in your muscles is they use their elbows to iron out the knots, which is excruciatingly painful and basically uh, it bruises your muscles and everything and I'd go into physio they'd iron out these knots and I'd go back two days later and they'd all come back again right so I was on like this um, excruciating merry-go-round for about a, a six-month period I had a very interesting challenge in my life at that point in time Ellie I had split up from my ex-wife in 2011 um, I was in a I was in a new relationship with uh, with an American diplomat. She was posted her first posting was in Bombay, and her second posting was in Santiago de Chile. So we'd agreed when we started dating that uh, that when she left India, that uh, we would um, that we would go our go our separate ways because obviously nobody has a long distance relationship between South America and 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 India, right? I mean that's insane. So it got to the Friday evening before she was due to leave. And we had a major problem that because we had this relationship of no expectations and no commitment, I mean, it was just a, a really super fun relationship. By the time it was due for her to leave, um, we'd become soulmates, basically, which then made it impossible for us to terminate our relationship. And uh, so we sat down on a Friday evening before she was leaving and we uh, we agreed that we couldn't terminate the relationship. So uh, we said, OK, let's try this ridiculous long distance relationship between South America and South Asia, which is insane. But anyway, we had no choice. And uh, when I woke up on a Saturday morning, all of the knots that had riddled my body 
previous six months and up until that discussion, basically they'd all just magically disappeared. Yeah, I, it was it was crazy. I mean, and I, I, on, I at that point in time, um, I didn't really know why the knots had come and I didn't really know why they'd gone. All I knew was that uh, the only difference between Friday night and Saturday morning was the fact that uh, my girlfriend and I decided not to terminate our relationship. I had a I had a hunch that um, what I had learned from that experience is the power of my mind to both cripple me, essentially, and give me back my health with a snap of my fingers just by solving a life problem. I was planning to do a PhD to take some time out, and, and I, had a, I had a suspicion that there could be a similar connection between the mind and cancer in the way that there was this connection between my mind and these knots. So I was looking for a university that had a, a medical specialization and mm-hmm. a psychology specialization, and I was planning to build a bridge between them. To, to explore this uh, this mind-body connection. And in the process of looking for that university, I found Dr. Hummer. <laughs> right? Wow. But, and here's the thing, because I'd, I'd already spent many years studying alter- many alternative modalities. What I'd learned, Ellie, is that with alternative modalities, the more value there is in the modality, the more vitriol you find online. You can work that out for yourself, right? But uh, but when I when I started researching Dr. Hummer, I'd never seen so much vitriol online, right? And I'm like, wow. I mean, there's got to be some real value under the hood of this one, right? Because it was it was extraordinary the amount of vitriol I found, you know, anti-Semite and murderer and all of these things, right? So so I'm like. Wow, this has got to be really good, right? <laughs> All the more I should look into this. Two questions, yeah. Danny. Uh, uh-huh. One is, uh, there, there's something about us Filipinos we call Marites, and we want to know stories behind love stories and all. Are you still with this lady? And what happened with that? Did, did you go and, and reunite with her where she was? And the second question is, were the knots just in the legs, or were they everywhere? Question number one, <laughs> that... Uh, that that wonderful human being is now my beautiful wife. Oh, um, yay! We, we got uh, we got married on a beach in Mexico, uh, on a beach called Tulum, which is just the most beautiful part of the world you can ever imagine. So we got we when I when when we survived the uh, the the Chile posting, I said, okay, if we can do Chile, then we can do anything, right? So so we still we still have a. I'm still based in Bombay in India. Um, my my wife shifts around to different places every two, three years. She's currently in Dublin. So I sort of split my time between Dublin um, and Bombay. So yes, we and uh, and she's still and she's still my soulmate, Ellie, as well, right? So I have this big, big smile. <laughs> it, 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 seems, it seems that nature knows best, right? So yes. it is, this is the most extraordinary human being I've ever met, let alone an extraordinary woman. Your muscles wanted to follow her. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the second question, no, they were not only in my legs, they were in my calf muscles, they were in my thighs, they were in my arms, they were in my back. I mean, literally my body wow. was riddled with these with these golf sized knots, so... Yes, it was uh, it was everywhere. And and did you get to investigate that particular biological program when you finally <clears throat> discovered Dr. Hammer? And was that like a light bulb moment for you because it was a personal experience? 
I have. Um, I mean, my belief is that that in the same way that the adrenal gland basically will reduce your stress hormones when you're when you're going in the wrong direction in life. I think that uh, I haven't discovered the exact biological program that Dr. Hummer would attribute it to, but uh, it was in line with the adrenal cortex um, with some motor element, and I and I and I firmly believe that it was basically. It was nature trying, because I was in the process of uh, ending the relationship with my soulmate. So I, I firmly believe that uh, that nature was trying to slow me down from running in the wrong direction, basically. Yeah, I mean, and it, it just it just resolved overnight. So it was quite an extraordinary experience. What I learned from the previous years that I'd been studying various modalities is I mean, when you study nutritional healing, you're looking at detoxing the body. And when you're looking at bark flower remedies, you're looking at the mind. I mean, you're in all of the right areas. But the problem is you don't actually get the true result until you look at uh, our biology as an integrated and holistic system. So you, in the same way, the mistake that uh, conventional medicine has made is by carving up specializations. Um, You can't look at the mind independently and the body independently and study them separately as as, as separate instruments. I mean, right. uh, it's, it's an integrated system. And the mistake I've been making and until 2012 was doing exactly that. I mean, I was studying the body, couldn't find the answer, studying the mind, couldn't find the answer. And it's not until you see the big picture and you see the integration between life, the brain, uh, the psyche and the body that uh, that you can start piecing together the entire picture. And that's what I discovered from that. I totally identify with you. I'm a trauma therapist and I I see clinical grade (laughs) conditions as well. And so I also studied a version of back flower remedies in something called NAET. Nambujiapad's allergy elimination technique, and we use homeopathic vials of back flower remedies. And yeah. so sometimes I would use that to sense the energy of where the trauma was coming from or the or the specific emotion. In NAET, we have vials of all of the organs and all of the hormones and all of the brain parts and everything. Even with that, it's still nebulous. When I found yeah. GNM GHK, it was like, oh my gosh, I don't even have to guess. I just have to go straight to the point. And that's it. And then, you Target know, like, it with a sniper's rifle, right? And, 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 and the, big, the big surprise for me, I mean, one of the filters that I learned to use along the journey was basically looking at the modality to find out whether it was a system of symptomatic treatment or whether it was a causal therapy. In day one in business, we're taught you can never solve a problem by addressing the symptom, right? You can only ever solve a problem by addressing the cause. Now, for some reason in the healthcare, we do not apply those same standards of problem solving and we only address the symptoms. So I knew that conventional medicine was a system of symptomatic treatment. What I was not aware, and I learned along the journey, is that basically all established forms of um, alternative treatments are also systems of symptomatic treatment. I mean, you know, in in nutritional healing, we're detoxing the body, which is the symptom. You know, in homeopathy, we're looking at the environment of the symptom. Uh, In bark flower remedies, we're looking at the emotion of the symptom. But none of these modalities are specifically identifying the the life cause of the problem in order to address it so when i when i discovered dr hummer's body of work and realized that uh, that it was a causal therapy 
I mean, I mean, I've been, I'm now what, 11 years into studying it, testing it, learning it in order to make sure that it is the real deal. And in 11 years, it's never been wrong, Ellie. It's just quite extraordinary. Wow. That's crazy. The, <laughs> the, the nearest I've been to um, causal therapy was in my training in emotional freedom technique or EFT, where they, right. and, you know, and, and other energy medicine or, or what they call um, energy psychology, where they look at ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And it's, it's like a 10 point questionnaire and they use it as a way to just kind of test whether you've had adverse experiences in childhood. And they correlated it with if you score four or above, you have a 70% chance of getting into, you know, what you call behavioral disturbances or addiction, alcoholism, and and all of that. So that, that was the closest that I got to that. And, and I kind of integrated that into my work to always look at what happened in childhood whenever we have, you know, a client who has who's already an adult and displaying behavioral disturbances, what we know as constellations and that body of work is just insanely amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Hummer. But problem problem is, Ellie, that, that narrow that narrows your your work down to like 99% of the population, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've all we like life has a tendency to put you through the ringer a bit, right? <laughs> I think we've 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 all we've all had some form of childhood trauma one way or another. Right? <laughs> yes, in fact, they call it the obligatory conflict when you are, you know, this age and that age. Well, yes, you know, it, it's quite interesting. That is true. So I'm very fascinated with your journey. I, I'm very, actually, what I'd like to know is, what do you do currently for work? Is it, are you still doing GHK? But I know that you started off quite differently. I mean, or your line of work is very, very different from GHK, GNM. We would expect somebody doing that would do. Yeah. So I don't hold it against me, but uh, I'm a lawyer by education. Um, luckily, I never practiced, officially practiced law, although it's always been very helpful. From a work perspective, I've spent the last uh, 30 years basically in either strategic management consulting, asset management, and I spent the last 10 years in venture capital, working on investing and building uh, early stage uh, startup companies. Um, so absolutely nothing to do with medicine whatsoever and nothing to do with uh, with healing in any fashion, whether it uh, conventional or mainstream, right? So, or alternative, sorry. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a businessman. And, but what, what it, again, on reflection and hindsight's always twenty twenty. When I look back, the way I've been able to guide my journey along, along identifying and solving health problems like terminal cancer basically is by applying the same standard of problem solving in health that we apply in business, right? You can only solve the problem by addressing the cause of the problem. And uh, when people came to me, I mean, I've, I've spent the last eight years now helping terminally or can primarily terminally or cancer patients um, who doctors are sent home to die to fully recover their health. Uh, and it, m most have been either late stage or terminal simply because, I mean, if you look at it, right, I mean, if you get a cancer diagnosis, are you going to go to Johns Hopkins leading oncologist uh, in the US or are you going to go to some random capital venture capital investor who helps heal terminal cancer patients as a hobby 
um so yeah it's a it's a it's a no contest right so basically i've been a i've been a, a last resort for people to come to in situations of desperation and it's been a it's been an extraordinary learning curve for me right and the reason my my book terminal cancer the misdiagnosis is is, is targeted uh, why i've targeted specifically at terminally ill cancer patients is because uh in my experience, it's the only really homogenous group of people who have the ability and the sort of the eyes to see and the ears to hear. What happens, I mean, unfortunately, we don't change until we're on the precipice of destruction. And when when doctors send people home to die, if they're not ready to die, you know, they will search the ends of the earth to find a solution. And they will listen, right? Because they have, <laughs> they have no other choice. So when when people get to that, uh, that situation, then I mean, they can, I can break through their diagnosis, and I can and they and they're listening to me, right? I mean, otherwise, if somebody comes to me with what they call an earlier stage diagnosis, it, the discussion is always, Oh, shall I do chemo? Shall I do surgery? And I'm like, everybody's path to healing is different. You do what you need to do. Uh, if you survive the treatments, then you know feel free to come back. So I specifically targeted this uh, this introduction, this book, which is essentially an introduction to Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries, and I specifically targeted at terminal uh, cancer patients because they they're pretty much the only people I've discovered so far that would have the ability to absorb it. And that's why right. that's why I did that. Right. And I do see I do have GHK consultations and some of them are terminally ill or stage four or different very uh, cancer patients of varying stages. But what I find very challenging and I'm, I would like to pick your brain about this is how do you manage the healing phase uh, where there's, you know, blood and purulent bacteria where it looks so scary and it looks like they're going to die and it, and it can cause a disfigurement conflict. But it's basically to just tell them that you have to let nature's process process and wait for it and be patient. But have you encountered that and how were you able to sort of attenuate the fear around that? So, yes, I have on many occasions. And what I found is that all you have to do in any situation is, number one, explain the journey of what's going to happen. First, this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. So that you prepare people for what's going to come. Explain to them. So if, they, if they've had a lung cancer diagnosis and they start coughing up blood or they start coughing up pieces of alveoli, mucus and all of those type of things that happens when the lungs are healing from lung cancer for example all you have to do is you have to explain to them that this is what's going to happen this is why it happens and this is the this is nature's design there is nothing to be scared of same if they've had a colon cancer diagnosis obviously when they start passing blood in their stool then they freak out right now they freak out because they don't understand nature's design or nature's process. They don't realize that, you know, blood in your stool is is essentially no different to when a woman has a menstrual cycle and bleeds from her vagina, right? I mean, it's just tissues being added and tissues being removed. Um, when you can explain that to people in simple terms, and you can impart the knowledge to them of exactly what nature is doing, then you remove the fear out of the process because, number one, they expect it to happen. And when it happens, they understand why it's happening. And when they get to that point, they can 
pretty much peacefully go through the process. I mean, of course, there's some pain and inflammation and all of those or whatever. I mean, I, I can I can guide most people to downgrade or switch off pain. So I help them to manage the symptoms and then um, uh, support the process with uh, with things like Dr. Hummer's healing music to downgrade the, the healing crisis and to get them through the, the healing process uh, to expedite it as quickly as possible. And the combination of knowledge and things like Dr. Hummer's healing music, you can you can really uh, achieve amazing things. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I do all of the above and I love mein Studenten Mädchen. It's like one of the things that I just give, you need to listen to this now. <laughs> I, I sleep at night, I sleep at nighttime with Ellie, right? So, Wonderful. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's free healing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've got, um, some, some, uh, I know I have because I've seen my brain CT scan, right? But uh, so I know I've got some, some, uh, some fairly heavyweight conflicts in the territorial areas in my brain. So you know, I sleep with it just to, just to help downgrade those conflicts, just to reduce the chance that uh, if I ever resolve any of them, <laughs> it's not going to take me out. <laughs> That's right, same. I do have a couple of consolations. Um, I love your analogy about a woman's menstruation. It's kind of like the same thing. What I usually say is, hey, we all came from tumors, you know, pregnancy, you know, the birth is an epic crisis and it looks ugly, it's bleedy and it's mucusy and all of this stuff. But, you know, it's part of a biological program, much like what you're going through. And if you can accept that you came from that, then you should be able to accept that cancer's healing program will include the same kind of pain, the same kind of, you know, bleedy, mucusy kind of program, right? So it's part of life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when when you explain to people how tissues added and tissues removed yes. or tissues removed and then tissues added and what causes it and why it happens. I mean, particularly with I, I know in a first meeting with a terminal with somebody who's received a terminal diagnosis as I mean, essentially in that first meeting, what I have to do is I have to pull them out of the deaf trance that doctors have put them in right so if I, I i know in that first meeting if i can successfully snap them out of that deaf trance and i can understand connect what's gone on in their life and connect it to the the health challenges they're facing and guide them in terms of what they need to do to either downgrade or resolve those conflicts. If I'm successful in breaking that death chance, they won't die. If I'm not successful in breaking that death chance, then they will die. And I've had experience of both. So I know immediately whether I'm, whether I'm going to be able to help somebody or not. I do too, actually. It comes with yeah. um, implicit knowledge and experience. And somehow we're able to, to read it, read the situation based on... Ab absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Danny, did you ever meet Dr. Hummer? Did you ever have the privilege of learning from him? And I know you also learned from Ilsa Dora Laker. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I did not personally meet Dr. Hummer. I had a number of email exchanges with Dr. Hummer. And in fact, um, one of the promises that I made to Dr. Hummer before he sadly passed was that, that I would help to translate his books into English. Now, I spent about... Uh, I don't know, about two and a half years. He's got a book on breast cancer that's like 115,000 words long. And it's like a 600-page book on breast cancer. Um, and I spent uh, I spent about six months, uh, about two and a half years with a group of four translators, basically translating that to English. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I got ninety-seven uh, percent completed on translating that book, um, and then Dr. Hummer's wife pulled the plug on the project, and I and I never really got an explanation as to why. She said at the time that that there was another translator working on it, and they'd completed it, um, which I was very happy about. So my original journey, Ellie, my plan was to spend the rest of my life translating Dr. Hummer's many books that he's written are laying fallow at the moment into English to help get to share that knowledge. I mean, the breast cancer book is is quite extraordinary. When Dr. Hummer's wife pulled the plug on that project, then that's when I decided to move into writing my own books. And that's the that's the journey I started in 2021. I, uh, I exited my venture capital fund and I decided to go full time into writing books on Dr. Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries. My objective now, I mean, you and I both know that uh, studying Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries, I mean, can be a very, very challenging um, yeah. journey. I've been on this for 11 years, and I, and I honestly feel like I've barely scratched the surface, right? I mean, there's yeah. still so much more to learn. The vast majority of our population is not, are not, you know, if you get a cancer diagnosis, are not going to spend 11 years tr to try and work out how to solve a problem, right? So, the sad thing is that to the vast majority of the population, Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries are not accessible. My, my plan is the, the, the first book that I published, Terminal Cancer and Misdiagnosis, that's an introduction to, to Dr. Hummer's body of work. But I'm planning to now follow that with a, with a 500 plus book series, which will be one book on each disease. And the idea is, here's my learning. When I, when I wrote Terminal Cancer as a Misdiagnosis, I wrote and rewrote that book. I, don't, I lost count like six or seven or eight times, right? So what I, what I did is I, I wrote the book. Um, I first wrote it in 21. Uh, I then sent that out to thousands of people to get their brutal feedback on on the book, right? And then I got truckloads of it, right? So um, I even had I even had one medical doctor that I sent it to who just replied in all caps um, on an email that said, "Do not publish this book." <laughs> <laughs> not so then. So then, so then I, uh, I, I, I took that feedback and I rewrote the book and then I sent it out to thousands of people again and then I brought it back and then I took the book and I and the, the prim, primary objective of that book basically is to ensure that anybody with no prior knowledge of medicine or no prior knowledge of GHK or GNM could pick it up read it, understand and absorb it, right? And and the objective of that book was to create enough interest to make people to want to look for more information. Uh, if you look at our society and the disease process, basically, most people will have one or two major health problems, right? I've got breast cancer, or I've got chronic eczema, or IBS, or ulcerative colitis, or some problem like that. So what people uh, essentially need is the ability to pick up a book that will take them ideally less than an hour to read, that will give them the cause of their problem. Um, and how to solve it, right? And written in a way that anybody with a with a fifth standard education 
can pick up the book and uh, and read it and understand it and action it, right? So I'm in the process of, uh, we're in the end of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? So this is my, <laughs> this, this is my book on breast cancer. Awesome. Um, I wrote uh, a book. This is a book on testicular cancer. This is uh, in memory of Dr. Hammer. <laughs> yes, right? Dr. Hammer. Right? Um, this is my book on on atopic dermatitis, and Sounds I've got one more book at the moment on um, IBS and ulcerative colitis. Now, if you go to my website, which is danny-carroll.com, there's a tab on there called The Healing Tribune. All of these books are available to read for free. I took a, I took a decision that this information is life-saving and it's not correct to put them behind a paywall and, and, and then make them inaccessible to people who do not have the resources to, to buy and read it. These are four books and the balance 500 books in the series will all be up on my website and available to read for free. The magic, this, my, this book, Terminal Cancer is a Misdiagnosis, I never could have got this book. I mean, this, this book was awarded the gold medal in the 2023 Global Book Awards in the category of medical books, wow. right? Uh, honestly, Ellie, I never, I never could have got this book to the standard that I got it to without the inputs of thousands of people. Okay. Right. What I learned from that is that not only does this book benefit from that process, but all of the books need to benefit from that process. So I'm in the process of developing the technology to facilitate a GHK uh, collaborative book writing community. So to write these 500 books, uh, I would expect these books will be the future books of healing, the future books of medicine, whatever you want to call them. And basically, I mean, each of these books, I mean, it's like a little reader's digest, right? So it's a little 60, 80, 90 pages. So you can read it in a short period of time. Here's the challenge, Ellie. We have um, 500 plus books to both write and market to 8 billion people. So right. you, if you look at the complexity of the challenge, both writing 500 plus books in itself is going to be a challenge. And then marketing 500 books to 8 billion people, you know, all have different diseases and stuff in itself is going to be a huge challenge. So what I'm setting up is all of these books, right, are being written under what's called a creative commons license okay now what that means in practice is that anybody can take this information and make their own book and then market the book in their own name so the plan is build in this collaborative book writing community to get as many uh, both GHK practitioners, as well as people who are not familiar with the subject, right, to come in and write these books, okay, and then take these books and build their own author brand. To write a book and publish it, and if you want to do it right, uh, typically will cost you more than $50,000, right, <laughs> which, yeah. uh, which I discovered recently. <laughs> um, and uh, that would be beyond the means of the vast majority of both GHK practitioners and the community. So what I'm doing is making these books available to people. So people come in, contribute, they help, they write, they edit them. And then once the book is com being completed, everybody can take away a copy of their own book. And instead of having 
Danny Carroll written on here as the author. Then Ellie, your name is on here as the author. And, and what this does, what I've also discovered recently, Ellie, is that when you authored books on a subject, what it what happens is it gives you, in the perception of the world, greater authority in the subject. So if we can get lots of GHK practitioners to come in and help to write the books and then take away the books and build their own author brand. So if you have somebody who comes to you with breast cancer, all you do is say, oh, okay, uh, firstly, read my book on breast cancer. So your name is down here as the author. When your client has read your book on breast cancer, number one, they'll understand the, the, the cause of their problem and how to fix it. And number two, they will come to you as an authority on the subject because you are the author of the book right now. If we can get hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people Okay, with these books as their as as the author of the book, they'll be community written and community marketed. If we have a thousand or ten thousand people, uh, ten people in the Philippines and I don't know a hundred people in India and a hundred people in America and a hundred people in Europe and a hundred people in Africa, so marketing these books to their local communities then we can significantly increase the speed that we can populate this information. And these books are designed to make Hummer's uh, discoveries accessible, right? So anybody with a fifth standard education can pick these up and read them, understand and absorb them, which is why even in the community, we need lots of people with no knowledge of the subject. Number one, they'll learn the subject. But number two, somebody with no knowledge of the subject ask questions or they'll say, Danny, I don't understand what that means. Us GHK practitioners, we tend to talk in a language that, uh, yes. that often people don't understand, right? So when you get people and say, Danny, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. Then what it does is it forces you to rewrite it so that it's in simpler terms to add more case studies, add more examples, so that it, it makes it easier. Um, uh, and we ensure that these books can be read by anybody. Now, to fund the cost of the production and the marketing costs of 500 books, unfortunately, I do not have deep enough pockets in order to fund that. At the moment, I'm planning to do a book a month, which will mean 12 books a year, uh, 500 books, that's somewhere about 40 years it's going to take in order to write these unless we can find a way to write and edit them quicker so what i'm going to do is i'm building a platform a collaborative book writing platform that allows everybody to edit and change and make suggestions and changes to the books okay i'm adding to that platform um 41 hours of ghk training material that was done by helmut pilhar and I'm also putting in a Facebook type community so that we can have one IBS community, one breast cancer community, one lung cancer community. So people can come in and decide which books they want to come and help and write. And ultimately, whoever comes into the community will be able to take all of the books away. It will be a subscription platform because I need the subscriptions in order to cover the cost of writing the books and marketing the books. This book cost me over $50,000 to write. With a small monthly subscription, you can take away a ready-to-publish book that you're the author of for a small fraction 
of what it costs in order to write and publish a book. And you will get 12 books a year. So everybody on the platform will have 12 books a year that they can take away, that they will take away, that they will be the author of, of which they would have contributed to writing anyway. So there is no one author of the book. They're community-written books and community-marketed. So if if you're marketing your books in the Philippines and I'm marketing my books in Bombay and we've got one in Delhi and one in New York and one in London and one in in every major city in the world, then we can get this information out to micro communities with far greater speed and efficiency and a much lower cost to the entire community. And we can finally make these medical discoveries accessible and get them out to the world so the world can discover Dr. Hummer's extraordinary discoveries. Wow. Uh, Danny, I'm speechless. You are just a, a human being, Some this phenom. You know, you just married all of your, you know, your passion for GHK and for helping communities with your lawyering. I, I'm sure that, you know, you used some of that knowledge for this and also yeah. your business savvy and marketing savvy. You, you put it all to good use for this wonderful cause. And I'm telling you right now, the Filipino community, GHK community is in. I am definitely in. Come on, Ellie. <laughs> 110%. I am just going to help you market this in my country. And I'm just going to see what I can do to translate it into our mother tongue and to help the poor people that we have here who, is, who I want to help. Have them and translate them into local languages and and really get really make this information accessible. Let's get it out to people. Let's present it in a format that's digestible. I mean, each of the books, if you've got breast cancer, okay, you don't want to go and spend 11 years studying Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries in order to work out how to solve your problem. You just want to pick up the breast cancer book that tells you the cause of the problem and how to solve it. And that's all you need, right? Okay, I mean, uh, us GHK practitioners, we're never going out of business, right? Because, you know, there's still the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? I can get the knowledge and I can understand, okay, my mammary gland breast cancer is basically caused by a nest conflict and my child just got hit by a car and that's why my mammary glands have been reactivated so I can lactate and produce milk so that I can nurse my child back to health again. Okay, I understand it, right? But the the going through hand holding people through the journey i mean ghk practitioners will always be required to do that right because yeah, that's yeah. a bit that we we have the wisdom we've done it many times right so the difference between knowledge and wisdom will always ensure that ghk practitioners will have a role in the process and when every ghk practitioner has their own library 500 books so everybody i uh, got lung cancer okay read my lung cancer book okay i got breast cancer okay read my breast cancer book and the authority that that gives each of those practitioners these or whenever when people come to you know oh, yeah this is my book read my book on on whatever problem you're suffering from i mean it's potentially a game changer for everybody Absolutely. And I'm in the Pilhar Academy educator course, so I will propose it to some of the community that we have within that group of the, of GHK practitioners, educators in training. I'm sure they would love amazing. it. Wow. I mean, this is so amazing. I love what you're doing. Basically, you're saving our lives, Danny, you know, because th- th- Dr. Is- Hummer saved our lives. We just have to make his 
<laughs> yes, yes, accessible it, for people, right? That's he the, did, but you know, Dr. Hammer was you know exiled and all of that because his work will change the medical paradigm as we know it. But basically, we're also putting our lives on the line for putting out this information. But then, if it's spread to billions of people, well, they can't do anything because billions of people already know it. Absolutely correct. If this was taught yeah. in schools, there would be no healthcare system, Ellie. Right. Exactly. You know that, and I know that. And we need to package this information. I mean, frankly, even children can pick these books up and read them and understand them for the most part, right? I mean, they're structured in a way that anybody can read and understand the problem. But we're, so we now just need one book on each disease, right? So that when somebody gets a medical diagnosis, they can pick this book up. I've, I've included one chapter in there that includes the conventional medicine approach to the problem, and then the GHK approach to the problem, uh, a discussion on a comparison of the differences between the modalities. So it's also it's a one stop shop so that people can come in and they can see the conventional medicine bit. They can see the alternative medicine bit. They can take a call as to which modality they think resonates with them more or or makes more sense. If we can get this information out and again, translated into every language in, in the world, right? I mean, we can we can make we can make an extraordinary difference in a relatively short period of time. Thank you in advance for changing the world as we know it. Of course, thank you, Dr. Hammer, right? But this year has really shown an, a, an explosion in the information of Dr. Hammer's work and with people like you. And of course, we know that there, there's some unfortunate events. We don't know what happened with the translating and all of that. I somehow see that as a blessing because yeah. ever since that happened, the information became more accessible, ironically. So maybe it had to happen, right? It had to happen, right? I mean, well, yeah. I, Every, everything always happens for a reason, Ellie, right? I mean, and you don't, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You don't realize what's going on until you get to look back on it, right? If I had have spent the rest of my life translating Dr. Hummer's work, which was obviously the original plan, then I never would have got on to project making, making those uh, medical discoveries accessible, right? So now I moved on from that project and I'm just sitting there thinking, right, okay, what needs to happen here? And, and making these discoveries, translating them into a very simple English and packaging them in small bites so that if I have a breast cancer problem, if I first use DHK to solve my breast cancer problem, the next time when I get a lung cancer problem, what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to GHK to use GHK to solve my lung cancer problem. And I'll keep coming back. And as I keep using it for solving problems and reading one, 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 one small book at a time, then over time, as my experience grows, my personal experience of using this modality in order to be able to heal myself, which obviously is the, the only way that people can heal, then over time we'll build up a, a small army of people that will be through word of mouth recommending this to friends, family, etc, etc. Maybe for a period of time, we can uh, we can make a significant impact with this. I tell you, your book is like, it's like my brochure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time I have a new a client or anybody asking about GHK GNM or coming for a consult, I'm always like, you got to read this book. It's it's only two bucks on Kindle. It's a two hour read. And it's worded in such a way that it's so easy to absorb. You have really gotten that down pat where you made it simple to understand what's going on and to be able to consume it in a short amount of time. Because, you know, God forbid people are, you know, sit down and 
read a book for like five hours. They, they want a one hour read. They want a two hour read and that's it. And, you know, get everything that they need to get in that short time. You did a great job. It was hard. It was, re it was actually really hard work, right? I mean, I spent two years rewriting a book. I mean, the, the actual content of the book is still, I think, not, like not more than 60 pages, right? So, I mean, yeah. the, 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 to the total book with all the front matter, back matter, everything is still sort of think less than 15,000 words. I worked really hard to keep it as short and concise and mm -hmm. to the point as possible, especially when, when people have late stage cancer diagnosis, etc. I mean, they don't have a lot of energy, right, in order to be able to start absorbing the information. You know, that, that's why I wanted to try and keep this short. And, and, um, and it seems I was quite successful at that. <laughs> so it's quite yeah. short Two questions. You said you were, you were going to translate uh, Dr. Hummer's book. Are you fluent in German and how or why? Okay. Number two, the 500 books, is that based on Dr. Hummer's untranslated books? Or I know he has work that still needs to be translated. Or is that just based on the SBS's, based on his work? So answer to your first question is no, um, I do not speak <laughs> German. Um, I had a, I put together a team of uh, very capable translators, uh, English to German translators. So that was how I was translating that book. The second book, I mean, basically is based on SBSs, right? So it, it's actually based on disease diagnoses, right? So the breast cancer book, for example, includes both the the mammary gland and the milk ducts, right? So when you get a breast cancer diagnosis, the key thing of the title and the subject matter of the book, as far as possible, is how a doctor would diagnose it, okay? So when somebody says, okay, I've got a breast cancer diagnosis, then that's going to trigger people to search, for a solution to that diagnosis. So the the title of the book, as far as possible, has to mirror the type of diagnosis that a doctor gives, because that's what people are going to search for. You have to start from the consumer perspective and say, right, okay, what happened to me and how am I going to respond? So I'm going to have a medical diagnosis, breast cancer, and then I'm going to go and search for information that can help me solve that problem. So that's basically, now there are exceptions to that rule because my book on atopic dermatitis, for example, I mean, it covers eczema, hives, urticaria, cold sores, herpes, rosacea, lupus, erythematosis, measles, chickenpox, rubella, vitiligo, wart, so anything to do with, with the dermis, basically. Yeah, I can't write an entire book just on eczema, right? So, and it wouldn't really make sense to. So what I've done in the dermatitis book is I've I've sort of bundled together the issues that affect the dermis. And, and but that can evolve over time as well. I mean, you know, this this is a learning journey. But that this, would this, be this... epidermis and dermis, right? Separation and attack, conflict and feeling soiled with no, people. All this no. skin stuff or just dermis? Just, just the epidermis. Oh, just the epidermis. Okay, just yeah, the epidermis. Yeah. I'll put in a separate book because then obviously you've got 
again back to the diagnosis right i mean in 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 the dermis what you're gonna have boils and acne and you know those, those type of issues that will affect the dermis or melanomas and stuff like that right so and again i need to work out do i do a book on skin cancer or do i do a book on what well, you got to look at it again from a diagnosis perspective right so yeah. now even with the dermis i'll probably separate it up into different medical diagnoses although the books will be very similar in a lot of their content again you have to look at it from a perspective of what problem have i been diagnosed with and how do i try and find information to solve that problem so it might with the dermis we might end up having to write two or three or four books on the different issues skin cancer etc um that come from from the dermis I mean, we're building the plane whilst flying it, right? So that's something we're going to have. Once we start getting the community together, and I'm nearly, I've nearly finished developing the platform for this. So if anybody would like to come along for this journey, if you can sign up to my website at danny-carroll.com, I will be sending out, I, I'm, I'm going to start beta testing this platform uh, very soon, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. So if you would like to come in and beta test the book writing platform, the book writing community and use the learning material, um, I will be beta testing it probably in the next week or two. Um, and I will be sending the beta test requests out to my email list. So anybody that subscribed to my website basically will be invited to come in and help to eke out some of the bugs and beta test the platform um, to write these 500 books on GHK. And of course, anybody who comes in and stays in will have the opportunity to build their own author brand with these 500 books. Fantastic. I'll add the links and other pertinent links to what everything else that you'd like me to share in the show notes and also in the GHK community in the Philippines. It's going to be amazing. But, and when you, when you, Ellie, when you sign up to my website, you'll get the opportunity to, to download a, a 400 page ebook, a free ebook that has, it's mm-hmm. uh, written by Bjorn Ebel. Um, it's called the Psychic yes. Roots of Disease. So have, you get yes. the opportunity. Yeah, you get the opportunity to download that. I I also have a free one year GHK training course on my website, which is basically it's a daily six to seven minute MP3 lesson that gets emailed to you at six o'clock in the morning every day. And those lessons were recorded by one of my colleagues in India, Dr. CJ Verghese, who's been practicing in homeopathy for I think about forty five years and studying GHK since 2007. So he did a, a daily GNM GHK lessons in MP3 format. So what I've done is I've, I've put those formats up on my website. When you sign up for it, you basically get every day six to seven minutes of, of learning on GNM stroke DHK. So that's also really good to, to sign up for. And, and it's good. You learn slowly over time, right? So. If you keep drip, 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 then you learn a little more, learn a little more. And as you as you learn slowly over time, then it helps you to really start understanding Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries again with just like a, a six to seven minute a day commitment in MP3 format. So you can, you can sign up for that on my website as well. 
Thank you so much for that. And this doctor, does he have a website or information on how he marries um, GHK GNM with homeopathy? I practice both. We have homeopathy in the Philippines. And somehow 95% of my practice in homeopathy was set aside when I saw GNM GHK. But it's still yes. my go-to, first go-to whenever a client needs some support, I, I go to homeopathy. So I would love to see if there are any cases that he has to share. Yeah, so Dr. Varghese's website at the moment is globalgnm.com. Okay. You can you can go and sign up for that. All of the voice clips are up. Like if you want to binge, if you want to binge the voice clips, then you can just go to the lessons and you can just there's four hundred odd voice lessons up there. You can go to globalgnm.com. That is currently morphing and the URL of that will change to globalghk.com. So in India, we have a group of practitioners that Dr. Vaghi set up and that was originally Global GNM, now Global GHK. Uh, we, uh, the leadership team um, have recently taken a, a decision to, try to change everything in terms of our content into Global GHK instead of Global GNM. We had one of the members of our group recently, because he was using GNM instead of GHK, basically had his offices raided. <laughs> yeah. So the advice we've given out, if you if you use healing knowledge rather than you, these people who raided his office came in looking for medicines, right? Because he was practicing Germanic new medicine. And right. when they came in, they're like, okay, where are the medicines? He's like, uh, we don't use medicine. He's like, okay, why do you call it medicine if you don't use medicine? Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, which is uh, a very valid question. So yes. uh, we've strategically taken a decision in India that we will now only use healing knowledge and not new medicine, which is in accordance with Dr. Hummer's wishes anyway. Everything is in the process of being transitioned from GNM to GHK in India. And going forward, we will only use GHK website will then be globalghk.com not to be confused with ghk global in which i am a member with the andy's yeah. yes with andy and everyone the english speaking word pretty much so okay good noted i will add all of those links um so i've taken so much of your time and usually i already kind of know the answer to this my my final question is usually if you had a magic wand and this magic wand clicked in this ideal world, what would that world look like for you? That world would look like Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries would be taught to children from the time that they could learn to walk or talk. The first thing in the same way we teach children languages, um, they should be taught um, how their body functions biologically and what causes their health challenges and how they can learn to fix it. If that was taught to us from, from the time we could learn to speak and we grew up with it as an, in, as an inherent part of our culture and our education, we would be living in a very different world where everybody would learn to heal themselves and it would be quite a beautiful place and we'd live in a place where there'd be no fear of disease right which would um, good for some not good for all and i'm sure the pharmaceutical lobbying would disagree with this but yeah i mean it, it it's a great gift to humanity that dr hummer has left behind now all we have to do ellie is really take that and make it accessible so that anybody with no prior knowledge of Dr. Hummer or his medical discoveries, when they have a negative health diagnosis, that we can create 
a small book for them and ensure that we have enough presence of enough people around the world to make sure that it can get to them when they need it. And that's the that's the challenge we have going ahead um, that I'm going to take on for as long as it takes to get these 500, 600, whatever number of books it is that we have to write in order to be able to make Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries accessible to the world so everybody can start learning them. Thank you so much. You're not alone in this endeavor. You have the support of the Filipino GHK community. I assure you that, Danny. Thank you That's so amazing. much. That's amazing. We hope maybe we can have you again on the podcast. Maybe oh, yes. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. Uh, it would be it would be an absolute pleasure. I mean, Terminal Cancer Book is just the first of five, six, seven hundred book series, right? <laughs> Which so there's there's lots to do. I need all of the help and support that I can get. We need to we need to build a small army of yes. uh, of health freedom warriors who are going to go out there and and once we have these books in a form that can be distributed to whether we get hundreds or thousands of 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 GHK uh, authors that who can share this book with their clients and and get these information spreading around to every corner of the earth and if we if we pull together as a community i think we'll be able to do that and with some speed i think so too thank you so much this is going to be a lifelong collaboration with you and hopefully absolutely generations to come absolutely yeah, I mean, I'm planning once we get up and running, I'm, I'm planning to do a like a monthly podcast call where we review the book written that month. So uh, as soon as I get the platform ready, the first book we'll do is on IBS and ulcerative colitis. Um, if anybody would like to join me, sign up to my website. Um, I'll keep you posted. Hopefully the beta test will be in the next week or two, hopefully a week. Um, I'm finalizing the platform for it now come along, come in, test drive, come and take the, the, the platform for a test drive during a beta testing. Help me to get it to a point where it really can deliver for us as a community. And we can then really go out and change the world, Ellie, and make it a better place. Yes, we can. Oh my gosh, 110% with you there. So you've got our support, Danny. Thank you so much for, for this endeavor, this effort for spearheading and blazing the way and being a, such a change maker who's so brave. My gosh, we couldn't have hope for a better leader in this movement. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I've got the biggest bodyguard in town, Ellie, so it's fine. I mean, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, I should have died many times already and I haven't, so. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are so guided, so guided, because this it's is... A, it's a divinely guided journey, Ellie, trust Divine. me. I mean, yeah. every, every, every time I get to a, a, pro, a place where I can't solve a problem, um, yeah. I mean, especially I'm building a tech platform and I'm a complete Luddite with technology. So I've had some major um, uh, challenges to overcome. And each time I get stuck, the, the solution just falls into my lap, right? It's been really quite wow. extraordinary. It's quite, it, yeah, it gives me goosebumps, right? It's really, it's been quite an extraordinary wow. journey. Maybe, um, maybe we should have another podcast episode just to talk about all of that and, oh, you know, to inspire people to, wow. to just keep going, keep going keep going absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean we've we've got to get we've got to get the truth out there and and yes. and help people to really understand that it's only possible to heal yourself and you can only heal yourself by addressing the cause of the problem and then there's no second option exactly and you know i was thinking about the sbs's but what about constellations right right now my work is very much 
concentrated on constellations in adults and, and kids with needs, kids with different abilities. And if we had this in schools, you know, yeah. we had this work in schools, it would help a lot to attenuate or to downgrade conflicts immediately so that these severe symptoms that we're seeing may be addressed, may be addressed with this information. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we, we, need, we need a book on every constellation, right? I mean, you know, uh, the, ultimately the, the community will have to decide the priority of the, the books that we write based yeah. on its prevalence in society. You know, I mean, we'll need a book on on Dr. Hummer's work on Down syndrome, right? And we need a book on autism, and we need a book on, you know, schizophrenia and bipolar. And, um, yeah. So these are these are all books that the that the community needs to cover. So once once we get once we start building that community and getting people together, I mean, we can we can decide which are the most in, important books to to write next, and then prioritize the impact that, that we can that we can make on the world as quickly as possible and constellations of course also need to be covered yes definitely okay i'm definitely in that area that's my expertise yeah, yeah in kids with needs and i've been using um, the modalities that i've been using for the past few years but when i added ghk into it my gosh clinching i mean amazing game changer, right it was a game changer just amazing I mean, I probably I probably wouldn't start off in the early stages with constellations. I mean, uh, frankly, I'm 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 still work in progress in understanding, particularly the the territorial con the territorial area constellations, right? I mean, and that's what Dr. Hummer called higher math, um, mm -hmm. and and it's really not a simple subject to to get your head around. So I would personally leave those uh, till at least a little way down the line yes um, at least understand the organ level and, and 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 the major issues that we can help people understand to address the territorial area of constellation i mean that's a that's a piece of work to really understand right yeah. i mean yeah. The, you know, the course of conflicts and the stacking of conflicts and complex, right? Really complex. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Hammer. My gosh, how he how he collated. How did he work this stuff out, right? I don't know. Sixty thousand CTs, thirty thousand patients. But but you you raise a good point, and and that is why I I had Andy on this podcast, and she is teaching constellations. She is, yeah. She yeah. did take it with uh, Helmut last year. And then she is going to first teach a very basic knowledge of the five biological laws of nature in GHK and yeah. then go to constellations and also form a community around that so that we can have an exchange of um, discussions and case studies and all of that. So that, I think, would be a good foundation before we kind of jump into constellations <laughs> later on, That is the yeah. deep end, right? <laughs> that is the deep end, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I even find, you know what's funny, Danny? I find cancer so much easier than constellations. I'm like, oh, cancer, exactly. ah, exactly. That, that's, that's easy, yeah. you know? Piece of cake, yeah. right? Constellations, my golly. I know. Amazing. I, it, it's, I've, yeah. had, I've had some experience with constellations. I've had some success with constellations, but hey, it's a, it's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, I mean, it really is complex. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm still, I honestly, I still, I still, and it's one of the areas I feel I still have an awful lot to learn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm still trying to get my head around the, you know, the idea of, you know, stacking of conflicts and conflict, you know, jumping with hormone changes. And so, I mm -hmm. mean, it really is quite complex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's still on my to do list. 
yes. to really sort of do a deep dive on and really sort of unravel and and really get to a fundamental understanding of of how the the territorial area constellations work yeah. and and how to how to you know the appropriate way to address them. I mean, I've got I put Helmut's training material up in the platform. He goes through a lot of this, right? But when you listen to some of the case studies of the of of Dr. Hummer's case studies, I mean, there was one particular situation where a woman was in Nymphomania constellation, and her husband is just allowed her to go and whatever, do whatever she wanted, and whatever, right? And and Helmer asked Dr. Hummer, "Why did you not get them to resolve the nymphomaniac constellation?" Because he said, "Then she'd go into depression, she'd be miserable. He would resolve this problem. He didn't have a heart attack and die, and it's all a bad situation, right?" And you're sitting there thinking, "I mean, he's like 15 steps ahead. If this happened, this would happen. This happened, this would happen. This happened, this would happen. He would die. She'd be miserable. Whatever, and that would be a disaster. You never resolve this problem." And I'm sitting there thinking, "Wow." I yeah. mean, who would ever, who would ever be able to understand 15, yes. 20 steps ahead of exactly what would happen given a certain situation? Mm-hmm. And that's what Dr. Hummer used to do, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I know so little about this that, know. you know, I just need I to stay away from these areas. Yeah. So. The, the thing, the, the beautiful part about it is the CT scan reading, which only Dr. Hummer really did in a few people on the planet right now, very few where he could he can predict and i've had my i, mean, CT- I can i can read ct scans right can you but, uh, who yeah. taught you I've did ilzadora teaches the during the practitioner's course 2015 i think ilzadora teaches the basics of uh, of reading a brain ct in her class and i've i've spent the last 8 years going through i mean i've gone through like hundreds of of cts and developing my knowledge on on how to read the ct i mean i i'm nowhere i'm nowhere near dr hummer's level obviously right but um been i have spent the last eight years learning um i still have probably another another 20 30 years of learning to get to a point (laughs) where i really understand them right but it is something that uh that i'm well in progress so i i do i do And the, the great the great thing in India, Ali, is a brain CT will you know cost you like thirty dollars, um, <laughs> and you can you can walk into any diagnostic lab without a prescription and get a brain CT done. Right? I mean, it's not like I mean in the West, you know, it, you need fifteen prescriptions from twenty doctors, and you know you 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 need to leave a kidney behind in exchange for your brain CT, right? Because it's so expensive in India. Literally, they're thirty or forty dollars, right? And, oh, wow. and you get it, and you can without a prescription, you can walk into a diagnostic lab, you can have a brain CT done, you can walk out in less than an hour with your CT in hand, and, yeah. it, costs you like, and it costs you like $30, right? I mean, it's wow. really, truly extraordinary. So the availability of, uh, of or the ability to access and get uh, brain CT scans in India is like miles and miles ahead of, of the West, right? So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had people that have Come, come to Bombay for a holiday, spent a few days here, come in, got their brain CT done, uh, gone back to Europe. It costs a fraction of what it would have cost to have done in Europe. They get a holiday out of it and then they get a brain CT done and and they have their consultation and they go back to Europe. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, truly, truly extraordinary. So, it's, yeah. It's, it's, something- about, it's about $100 in the Philippines. And while we still need, you know, a doctor to kind of write it out, 
it, it's pretty easy to get here still compared to the West. I mean, it, it's so insane the way, uh, the way they do it out there. But the CT, I had my CT scan read by a, a mentor in, in Croatia. You probably know who he is. I'm not sure, but he was, he was taught directly by Dr. Hammer. They read about 800 to a thousand scans together. My deep constellations, I go to him for consultation so that he could guide us in like what, what to look for next. And it's interesting the way he reads it and this, and he got it directly from Dr. Hammer, the style in which to interpret the condition as a, the big picture as a whole. And sometimes, you know, as a practitioner, you, you kind of want to cure. I don't want to, I want to see how I can resolve this. And I've had him look at some constellations and say, just like what you said is, is just keep it. There's no need to, don't touch it. It's yeah. the way she's been since she was five years old. It's her behavior. It's her pattern and it's fine we can just maximize or improve her relationship with her husband but simply there's nothing wrong with it i'm mm. like okay and this is a, a patient or a client with a postmortal constellation but and nymphodepressive and so right. there is that part where just keep her there okay yeah and makes sense and the ct having that ct is just amazing so the educators in training will have have it available only in two years it's basically to deepen our understanding of ghk before we get into clinical ghk and it mm. will be taught to everyone not just pilhar yeah. academy students but everyone as long as you take a test and you pass that test so right. that, that's what i love about this teacher who's going to teach it there's no politics involved <laughs> right right yeah yeah, yeah so well, maybe we need to connect separately on that and uh and i need yeah, to work yeah. out to learn from him as well right because Absolutely. i still i still have tons to learn on i've learned a lot but i still have an awful lot more to learn so yeah yeah the, uh, definitely definitely and danny do you take consultations online um can we put that on the show notes or at the moment no um, in okay. fact, the, the, the answer to that has always been no. I mean, I've, I've, I've worked with maybe hundreds or thousands of, of people who have come to me for help. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, because healing has never been my business, I've never, I've never charged for consultations. So I only charging in, in karma, as we say in India. And uh, but at the, at the moment, between the, the problem, Ellie, between writing the book, getting the platform set up, and at the moment, because I'm, I'm still a solopreneur, so I am writing the books, I'm narrating them, I'm publishing them, I'm marketing them. I mean, my my to-do list at the moment is just, you know, it's crazy, right? I mean, I'm, I'm slogging, but I simply do not have the capacity to take on consultation. So what, I, what I've done further uh, to, ha to help some people as much as I can, but also to try and spread the word about Dr. Hummer's medical discoveries is I've, I've put a referral mechanism on my email where if people refer other people to come and join my, my website, I tell them after 10 successful referrals, I'll do a free health consultation. What that does is it gives people some some way to get access to doing a consultation with me. It helps us to sort of grow the tribe. And it's the, we, we achieve both, um, both objectives of growing the tribe and offering health consulting. But at the moment, the only way I'm doing a, a health consultation is, is through that mechanism. Because I just I just don't have the capacity to do it, Ellie. Honestly, I'm just like yes. insanely busy. <laughs> right, and this is why we're going to help you with that. 
we, we, we will help you with this initiative. That would be a, truly, honestly, truly amazing. I need a lot of help, I can promise you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is only going to work if we can successfully build a small army of health freedom warriors, right? Yes. If we do not build that army, then we're not going to have the bandwidth and the capacity to get these books out to every every nook and corner of the world. So we really need a sort of concerted team effort to pull people together to both write and market these books so that we can get the I can't I can't get into the villages of the Philippines, right? And I never will be able to. Um, never so, say never. <laughs> I mean, it would be. It, I have enough trouble getting to the villages of India where I live. I, mean, <laughs> I know. You've got to have people integrated into the fabric yes. of those communities in order to be able to both share the information and guide people on those journeys. Right. So we yes. need to literally build an army of of book writers, book editors, book reviewers, and then uh, book authors that can go out and get this information into the micro parts of their local community. And if we can do that, I mean, we can we can make a substantial impact in the world. Game. Philippines is covered. You've got it. <laughs> We're there. Thank you so much, Nanny. Oh, my gosh. This has been such a fun time. I feel that we could talk forever, which we That's have. Talk forever, actually. yeah. And but, we can do we can do it regularly, Ellie. But, I mean, yeah, you know, we once we we've, we'll have a... We'll, yeah, have a, yeah. we'll have a book a month to talk about, right? So yes, first, yes. the first book that's going to be edited in the community is going to be on IBS and ulcerative colitis. I mean, if you can if you oh. can help round up an army of people to come in and 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 come and help me to test the beta version and see whether the system yeah. is working, um, then I mean that'd be a fantastic start, yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. I already have a few people that I know will benefit from that particular talk. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ellie, and I would be delighted to come back whenever you would like to invite me to do so. And that will be soon. Thank you so much. God bless you. And you too. Thanks, Ellie. As an adjunct to this episode, I'd like to talk about some sensible biological special programs. All of this information can be found from the website learninggnm.com. Let's talk about ulcerative colitis. When it comes to the colon, except the sigmoid colon, the biological conflict associated with it is what we call an indigestible morsel conflict. This conflict isn't limited to just food. It can also mean morsels for humans, like a car, a house, or a valuable possession. In some cases, it could even be linked to circumstances or unpleasant events that feel indigestible or non-absorbable, such as when an expected purchase promotion, or promise can't be fulfilled. What's unique about the morsel conflict related to the colon, appendix, and cecum is that it's often experienced as particularly ugly, leading to conflicts like ugly fights over money, property, divorces, court cases, or betrayals. During the conflict active phase, which begins the DHS, or Durkheimer syndrome, a biological conflict shock, Cells in the large intestine multiply in response to the intensity of the conflict. The biological purpose of this cell increase is to aid in digesting the indigestible morsel. 
Even though the colon no longer serves a digestive function, it still reacts with cell augmentation during a biological conflict because, originally, the entire intestinal canal was involved in digestion. With prolonged conflict activity, a tumor or colon cancer can develop due to ongoing cell multiplication. The tumor can either grow flat, the absorptive type, or take on a cauliflower-like shape, or the secretory type. When the rate of cell division surpasses a certain threshold, conventional medicine labels it as malignant. If it's below that limit, it's considered benign or diagnosed as an intestinal polyp. No symptoms are typically experienced during the conflict active phase, but a large tumor can lead to a narrowing of the colon, causing issues like pencil stool or bowel obstructions, which may require surgery. Following the resolution of the conflict, fungi or mycobacteria, such as TB bacteria, remove the now unnecessary cells. Healing symptoms include diarrhea, the excretory quality, blood in the stool or tarry bowel movements, abdominal cramps, the motor quality, particularly during the epileptoid crisis resembling intestinal colic and night sweats. An intestinal yeast overgrowth suggests that fungi are aiding in the healing process. An intestinal infection with bloody diarrhea and abdominal pain can also result from Escherichia coli or E. coli bacteria colonizing the small and large intestines. The severity of these symptoms depends on the degree of the preceding conflict active phase. If the necessary microbes aren't available upon conflict resolution, often due to excessive antibiotic use, the additional cells persist and eventually become encapsulated. In conventional medicine, this is typically diagnosed as an intestinal polyp or benign cancer. For colitis and irritable bowel syndrome, this is often characterized by inflammation of the bowel with symptoms like abdominal pain, flatulence, diarrhea, and potentially bloody stool, usually develops after conflict resolution. Persistent symptoms may indicate conflict relapses interrupting and extending the healing process, a condition often referred to as a hanging healing. IBS is also a sign that an indigestible morsel conflict has been resolved with less intense symptoms compared to colitis. Now let's talk about motor conflict. The biological conflict associated with the skeletal muscles revolves around a moderate self-devaluation conflict. These specific self-devaluation conflicts align with those affecting bones and joints. From an evolutionary perspective, self-devaluation conflicts are the primary conflict theme linked to organs controlled by the cerebral medulla and originating from the new mesoderm. The conflict related to the movement of muscles is a motor conflict, often described as not being able to move or feeling stuck. This conflict can pertain to the entire body, constituting a generalized motor conflict or focus on a single muscle or muscle group, creating a localized motor conflict. Specific muscle-related conflicts. For the facial muscles, this conflict relates to losing face, encompassing the loss of status, reputation, respect, honor, prestige, dignity, disgrace, humiliation, or shame. It can also involve feeling exposed, ridiculed, foolish, or stupid. 
jaw muscles, the conflict associated is not being able to bite, and it may be interconnected with bite-related conflicts. The neck muscles, this conflict revolves around not being able or allowed to move or turn the head. The shoulder and back muscles, it involves not being able to get out of the way or step aside. The arm muscles, this conflict can arise from situations where an individual is forcefully held down, such as in cases of physical abuse, sexual abuse, during a vaccination, in a fight, or during play. It may also relate to not being able to hold or embrace someone or to hold someone back, or not being able to push someone away, fight somebody off, or defend oneself. The hand muscles, this conflict is associated with not being able to hold on to someone or hold someone back, particularly in situations involving a loved one leaving or passing away. It can also encompass distress related to hand functions, whether at work, in hobbies, or in sports. For leg muscles, the conflict pertains to not being able to escape, flee, or run away in a literal or figurative sense such as from a workplace or a relationship. It may also involve not being able to leap aside, follow, feeling rooted to the spot or petrified, feeling trapped, literally or figuratively, not being able to keep up, not being able to climb up, for example, not being promoted, or not being able to kick somebody away. The fear of not being able to walk can also be part of this conflict, often linked to a wheelchair image. Motor conflicts can also be experienced on behalf of someone else, particularly when the feeling of being stuck concerns a loved one. Belief in the hereditary nature of conditions like ALS or MS can make a family member more susceptible to conflicts of the same kind. In the case of a fetus, it might experience the conflict of not being able to escape when the mother is in danger or due to threatening noises in the immediate environment, like loud machinery or kitchen equipment. In this scenario, if the conflict isn't resolved, the baby can be born with partial paralysis of the legs and motor disabilities. The use of loud noises during ultrasound examinations can also be traumatic for the unborn baby. Animals can experience motor conflicts as well, such as during fights with other animals or when they are physically confined, locked up, or held down for medical examinations or vaccinations. This also pertains to conflicts triggered by the practice of animal testing. During the healing phase, the previously atrophied muscle undergoes reconstruction through cell proliferation, resulting in swelling due to edema or fluid accumulation. Simultaneously, water retention, often associated with a syndrome, significantly amplifies this swelling. In conventional medicine, a substantial swelling is sometimes misdiagnosed as a muscle sarcoma or a myosarcoma or a soft tissue sarcoma, as seen in connective tissue sarcomas. Muscle hypertrophy, which is enlargement of the muscle, is the outcome of an ongoing healing process often referred to as hanging healing. Note that all organs originating from the new mesoderm, including skeletal muscles, manifest their biological purpose at the end of the healing phase. Upon the completion of the healing process, the organ or tissue becomes stronger than before, 
better equipping the body to handle a conflict of a similar nature. The swelling experienced during this phase renders the muscles stiff and tense, accompanied by pain that can range from mild to severe, depending on the intensity of the preceding conflict-active phase. If the muscle pain has a cold quality, it suggests involvement of the periosteum, while hot muscle pain indicates that the muscle itself is in the healing process. For example, a sore or stiff neck may signal an intellectual self-devaluation conflict with difficulties turning the head to one side. The affected side is determined by an individual's handedness and whether the conflict is mother-child or partner-related. In medical terms, widespread muscle pain is often referred to as fibromyalgia, while the presence of inflammation leads to the diagnosis of polymyalgia or polymyalgia rheumatica. In Germanic new medicine, both fibromyalgia and polymyalgia indicate a prolonged healing process of a generalized self-devaluation conflict affecting the entire person. Conventional medicine also associates overall muscle pain with chronic fatigue syndrome or myalgic encephalomyelitis. The persistent fatigue is often attributed to an Epstein-Barr virus infection, which has also been linked to mononucleosis, characterized by swollen lymph nodes in the neck. From the perspective of the second biological law, chronic fatigue is a symptom that occurs during any prolonged healing phase or vagotonia. The adrenal cortex constitutes the outer layer of the adrenal gland and, like the adrenal medulla, is responsible for hormone production. Notably, it produces stress hormones such as cortisol and aldosterone, in addition to androgens. The release of cortisol from the adrenals is regulated by the adrenocorticotropic hormone, or ACTH. In evolutionary terms, the adrenal cortex has its origins in lymphatic tissue and stems from the new mesoderm under the control of the cerebral medulla. The biological conflict associated with the adrenal cortex revolves around having made a wrong choice, or feeling thrown off course, or having ventured in the wrong direction. It signifies a conflict related to decisions or choices. During the conflict-active phase, there is cell loss or necrosis in the adrenal cortex, and the extent of this loss is proportionate to the degree and duration of the conflict activity. The primary biological purpose of this tissue loss is to reduce the production of stress hormones, compelling the individual to slow down on their perceived wrong path. Consequently, the person experiences feelings of stress and fatigue due to low cortisol and aldosterone levels, which differs from other conflict-active phases where increased energy is the norm due to the release of cortisol associated with a fight-or-flight response. This state of insufficient steroid hormone production is known as hypoadrenalism or Addison's disease. Just a note, whether the right or left adrenal cortex is affected depends on a person's handedness and whether the conflict is related to their mother-child relationship or their partner's side. During the healing phase, an adrenal cyst forms at the site of the prior necrosis. In PCLA, or the healing phase A, adrenal cells multiply inside the cyst to replenish the tissue loss from the conflict-active phase. 
At this point, the cyst is diagnosed as adrenal cancer, in contrast to adrenal cancer related to the adrenal medulla. According to the five biological laws, these new cells should not be considered cancer cells as they represent a restorative process. Within nine months, provided there are no conflict relapses, the cyst hardens and becomes an integral part of the hormone-producing function of the adrenals. This is a common pattern seen in various organs and tissues deriving from the new mesoderm, where they strengthen after healing, preparing the body for a similar conflict in the future. Of note, in intense conflict-active phases, an adrenal cyst can grow significantly, leading to an excess production of adrenal hormones known as hyperadrenalism. This can result in conditions like Kahn syndrome with an overproduction of aldosterone or Cushing syndrome with an overproduction of cortisol. Cushing syndrome symptoms may include a round-shaped face or mood face and weight gain, particularly in the trunk, neck, and upper back. If an individual is simultaneously conflict-active with abandonment or existence conflicts, water retention can cause a puffy face and increased weight gain. This is often referred to as the syndrome, or KCT, kidney-collecting tubules conflict. The symptoms of Cushing's are essentially side effects of corticosteroids, making iatrogenic Cushing's syndrome quite common due to the widespread use of these drugs. The adrenals also produce androgens which are responsible for hair growth in areas such as the face and chest. In women with Cushing's, the excessive production of androgens can lead to extra facial and body hair. A sizable adrenal cyst can exacerbate this and result in excessive hair growth, a condition known as hirsutism. After listening to this, head over immediately to Danny Carroll's website at danny-carroll.com and subscribe to Danny's newsletter. You'll receive a confirmation notification by email and a download link to Bjorn Eibel's GNM reference book, The Psychic Roots of Disease. This is always one of the books I refer to when clients consult with me. Download it and refer to it as your bedside GNM guide. Aside from that, you'll be receiving notifications on Danny's book spreading initiative open to everyone who would like to be free from fear of death and disease. Let's continue to support Danny, follow him on Amazon, and buy his book, Terminal Cancer is a Misdiagnosis, which recently won the 2023 Global Book Award Gold Medal in the medical category. Leave a review so it gains more widespread acclaim. This book can save one life or two. Heck, it can save maybe millions. Join the initiative to change the world one biology at a time. Learn Germanic new medicine while you're healthy. This is the true way to gain health sovereignty. In biohacking, you control your biology so it doesn't control you. But first, heal your mindset. To Biohacking and Beyond, see you in the next episode.